Welcome to Red Belt Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. So we thought this morning we would bring Red Belt Torah Studios out into the great outdoors. We've got the generator running a test cycle over there, and the birds are pretty loud, but it's all right. It's still pretty early in the morning, but still, we get the sense that it's getting kind of late. Do you know what time it is? I'm Tim. And I'm Miss, and you're right. Um, it is getting kind of late, and we'll clarify what we mean by that shortly. You can email us at redpiltora at gmail.com. Follow us on redpiltora.podbean.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. We really love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Send us a shout-out from your state. Let us know that you're okay. Unlike my voice, which is starting to sound a little scratchy. You're doing great, Mama. And lastly, a special welcome to our new listeners in Massachusetts and British Columbia. So, a few podcasts ago, we talked about the Torah portion, the scheduled readings from the Torah that Jewish people and some believers follow all around the world. The Torah portion keeps us all reading the same thing at the same time. As we read the Torah portion from this week, a part of the scripture really spoke to us. We believe it's a timely warning for believers in the Elohim of Israel. The name of the Torah portion, or Parsha, is Shalach Lecha. The Tim translation is, send some brothers over there to handle business for the people. Now when I say brothers, I mean the 12 men that were sent to check out the promised land in Numbers 13. These men went on behalf of the 600,000 or so brothers that left Egypt together, not to mention the women and children. Scholars estimate the total number at 2 million people. Some of these people were former slaves in Egypt from all around the known world. Now that's what I call a mixed multitude, Mama. Amen, Daddy. And before we get to the Torah portion, when you said mixed multitude, you reminded me of another scripture, and I think it ties in with what we're about to talk about today. Nice. Yochanan, also known as the Apostle John, said in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 17, After this I looked, and there before me was a huge crowd, too large for anyone to count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. They were standing in front of the throne, in front of the Lamb, dressed in white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. And they shouted, Victory to our Elohim who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne. The elders and the four living beasts, they fell face down before the throne and worshipped Elohim saying, Amen, praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honor and power and strength belong to Eloheinu or our Elohim forever and ever. Amen. One of the elders asked me, these people dressed in white robes, who are they and where are they from? Sir, Yochanan answered, you know. Then he told me, these are the people who came out of great persecution. They have washed their robes and made them white with the blood of the lamb. That is why they are before God's throne. Day and night they serve him in his temple and the ones who sit on the throne will put his Shekinah upon them. They will never again be hungry. They will never again be thirsty. The sun will not beat down on them, nor will any burning heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will shepherd them, will lead them to springs of living water, and Elohim will wipe every tear 
from their eyes. Amen. Mm. That scripture is an awesome selection, Mama. It covers the mixed multitude that will stand before the Lamb. Isn't it beautiful the way Israel started out as a mixed multitude on the first Shavuot? Mm -hmm. Then they featured a mixed multitude at the Shavuot in Acts, yep. which becomes an even more mixed multitude with the grafting in of the Gentiles. And then Israel ends up before the throne of the Lamb, a number of people that can't even be counted from every nation, tribe, and language. Now this is a Kadosh Mikra, or a holy gathering that we do not want to miss. Amen. I can hardly wait to see him with my own eyes. You know, Mama, I also love the way Revelation refers to Yeshua as the Lamb. It's really interesting to connect the Passover with the book of the Revelation. In that book, Yeshua is revealed, pun intended, as the Lamb of Yehovah Eloheinu, our Elohim. There are as many podcast topics in that as there are people standing before the Lamb, Mama. Amen. How sweet it is, Daddy. How sweet it is. So, this week's Torah portion includes the story of the spies who gave an evil report, Elohim's judgment on Israel for their unbelief, and Elohim and Israel's defiant and desperate attempt to capture some of the promised land despite Elohim's judgment. Now, as I'm sure you know, that didn't go well for Israel. Mm -mm. And you will find those stories in Numbers chapters 13 and 14. We'll pick up the story in chapter 15. In verses 1 through 21, Elohim is giving instructions regarding the offerings Israel may choose to give, as well as the required gift from the first batch of dough Israelites would make in the Promised Land. And notice that the instructions are to apply to the Israelites as well as the foreigners who happen to be among them. There is one instruction for everyone, and everyone can make tribute offerings to the Most High Elohim. I'll start reading from verse 22, miss. It says, If by mistake you fail to observe all these mitzvot or commandments that Yehovah has spoken to Moshe, yes, everything that Yehovah has ordered you to do through Moshe, from the day Yehovah gave the order and onward through all your generations, then, if it was done by mistake, by the community and was not known to them, the whole community is to offer one young bull for a burnt offering as a fragrant aroma to Yehovah, with its grain and drink offerings, in keeping with the roll and one male goat as a sin offering. The priest is to make atonement for the whole community of the people of Israel, and they will be forgiven, because it was a mistake, and they have brought their offering, an offering made by fire, to Yehovah, and their sin offering before Yehovah for their mistake. The whole community of Israel will be the whole community of the people of Israel will be forgiven. Likewise, the foreigners staying with them, because for all the people it was a mistake. And if an individual sins by mistake, he is to offer a female goat in its first year as a sin offering. The priest will make atonement before Yehovah for the people who makes a mistake by sinning inadvertently, and he will make atonement for him, and he will be forgiven, no matter whether he is a citizen of Israel or a foreigner living with them. You are to have one law for whosoever it is that does something wrong by mistake. 
You know, I've heard some preachers say that grace is found in the New Testament and law is found in the Old Testament. How about this display of law and grace, all in one? Mm -hmm. Elohim outlined the way to offer tribute to him. He opened the door for foreign travelers to participate, and he made a way to be forgiven for unintended sins. So much for that argument about no grace in the Old Testament. Any opportunity Elohim gives for us to worship him is inherently an act of grace. And for years, we didn't know that this applied to us. I mean, imagine all the things we've done that unintentionally transgressed Jehovah's instructions. We often think of repenting for everyday sins, but not things we were unaware of. The scriptures teach us that when we know what sin we committed, then it's sin to us. So we must repent and deal with it appropriately. And more on that in a future podcast. Verse 30 continues as follows. But an individual who does something wrong intentionally, whether a citizen or foreigner, is blaspheming Yehovah. That person will be cut off from his people because he has had contempt for the word of Yehovah and has disobeyed his command. That person will be cut off completely. His offense will remain with him. Now, let's be real with each other. How many sins have you committed that you knew were sins when you committed them? How often have you intentionally overstepped or disregarded the instructions of Elohim to do what you wanted to do? At the time Elohim gave this instruction, he said that death was the remedy for intentional sin. And we see that carried forth forward in verses 32 through 41, where an unnamed man decided to gather sticks on the Sabbath. He was arrested and Elohim pronounced a death sentence on him. Elohim's presence was in Israel so closely in the camp. How could this unnamed man obviously obviously intentionally sin? And how could that be overlooked? We see a similar sentence carried out in Acts chapter 5, where Ananias and his wife Sapphira died for lying to the Ruah HaKodesh, or Ruah HaKodesh. These scriptures made me wonder, do we really want Elohim's presence to be near us as it was back then? Do we really want to see his power working miracles, healing everyone who has an ailment? Do we want to risk knowing that we, can, we can't be so casual about sin with his presence so near? We call it walking in the fire. Those three Hebrew boys who were thrown into a blazing blast furnace found that the safest place to be is in the fire with Elohim. Everything happening in the world today tells me that it's getting late in the evening, as the older deacons and church mothers used to say. Yeshua admonished us to work while it's day, because when night comes, no one can work. Now is a good time to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily weighs us down. With everything that's going on in our world today, we need His presence more than ever. Mm -hmm. In our podcast, episode 30, we talked about the third commandment. We are not to carry His name as if it is worthless. Please accept this as our loving challenge for all of us, all of us as believers, to step up our game. And though Jehovah is gracious, don't think we can sin deliberately and still carry his name. 
Also, don't neglect to study the scriptures, making it easier to sin unintentionally. That being said, what would you do if you discovered that the way you, the way you live your life and some of your beliefs are out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and continue to sin so that grace can increase? Or would you take the red pill, forsake sin, and live like you know time is short? Consider the words from Matthew chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. Show the fruits of repentance. Don't think that you can benefit by claiming Abraham as your father, because Jehovah can take stones and raise up children to Abraham. And now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and burned. Think about everything we've experienced in the year 2020. At the time of this recording, we're not even quite halfway through the year. It's time to be fully committed to the ways of Elohim. Well said, Daddy. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Please go back and listen again to what we shared. Read over the scriptures and discuss them with your family and friends. Join us in praying for peace in our nation, Israel, and throughout the world. And thank you for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Torah, where you can handle the truth.